Welcome to This Might Not Work, a podcast for the curious, ambitious, and the ones who truly want to master their craft. Together, we will explore what it takes to be a world-class leader, team builder, and a high-performing professional. Let's get to work. This episode features Brillen SK, an HR professional, a passionate coach, mentor, and a speaker, and also a dear friend. We go back a long way, and, and I've learned a lot from him, specifically how to just chill out while getting work done under pressure. Something that I still struggle with, uh, but he's super fun to hang out and have conversations with, and you'll hear lots of original insights and ideas from the conversation you're about to listen. So stay tuned for those germs, sorry, not germs, gems, gems of wisdom. Okay, let's roll. Hey, Brilliant, what's up? Hey, man, good to see you after a long time. Long All time good. indeed. <laughs> Congratulations on your uh, new role as a regional advisor for uh, Toastmasters International. I think it's still region 13, right? It's region 13, yes. Cool. So those of uh, you who will be listening, Toastmasters International is a big organization with a big reach and a lot of structures to it. You really wouldn't know unless and until you get into the scheme of things. Isn't that right, Brilliant? 100%. And once you get in, you would not want to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, there are a few exceptions, but (laughs) let's not get into that. But how long have you been uh, part of Toastmasters? Uh, This will be my 11th year now. Wow. Started in 2008. Wow. That's a long time. That also says a lot about your commitment to the organization. Yeah, it's like if you're in an Indian company, five years you get graduated and you get pension. And, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you were also part of Rotaract and Rotary International before Toastmasters. Isn't that correct? Before I joined Toastmasters. Hmm. And and how long was that? Since 94 to 2005. Well, that again is like 10 years. So for the past, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, you've, you've been part of uh, the non-profit uh, organizations, two of the biggest non-profit organizations in the world for the past 20 years. You know, organizations like Rotaract and Toastmasters, this, they have this amazing capacity and uh, attraction power to retain volunteers for a very long time. And I think corporate organizations can learn a lot in terms of how we can take back some of these learnings to put it in our workplace and keep the employee hooked. Do do you know what's making these members stick to these organizations literally forever? So from my experience, what I can share is one, the experience that you get. Mm -hmm. Second, it's a commitment which you are making with the organization and there is uh, nothing holding you from just quitting and moving away. Mm. But as you keep experiencing different aspects of the organization, you realize, oh, wow, there's so much to learn and I have just reached here. So you keep doing things on a yearly basis. You try experimenting. And I think that's something which has kept me hooked on in Rotaract. I grew internally in the organization same with Toastmasters. I started exploring and I realized, oh, it's, it's you know, to, to be cliched, I would say it's like an Indian marriage buffet. <laughs> you have so much of offering that you really need to have that patience to taste everything. Mm. And if, if you are a real foodie in terms of experience, you will want to stay longer. And I think that's, that's the crack code for both of these organizations. Mm. I've also noticed that many people who are part of uh, Rotary International, Toastmasters International, or even Lions International, most of these people, uh, especially at the higher echelons, I mean, they are either leaders themselves, uh, themselves in the actual organizations that they serve. I mean, the ones that get their bills paid and also uh, uh, leading some part or maybe a major, uh, a massive part of these organizations. Isn't that correct? Yeah, in most cases, it is true. I agree mm. to you. 
And and do you think the experience that people gain within uh, the nonprofit organization that has a direct carryover to their actual workplaces? In fact, I would say, at least for me, it has been true. And I can share a, a example. I can share one example here. Sure. Uh, one of my organizations where I used to work, I was given an opportunity to look after for a shift, mm-hmm. which was like I was very young, just about two years of work experience. And I'm looking after managing a shift, which no one would have probably dared to try and attempt. And that was probably because of my experience working with the youth movement Rotaract mm-hmm. that I had that experience of managing people, working with different uh, age groups. That that gave me an edge. And in fact, I remember, I don't want to name this organization. I was interviewing for a very senior level position and they said, it is impossible that an organization would have given you a leadership opportunity at this young age. And I said, well, that's my experience. You take it or you leave it. It's your choice. Wow. (laughs) That's a bold claim. (laughs) (laughs) So talking about uh, you as a person, I mean, what is that unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love or probably have developed over these years, probably as part of, you know, some of the finest non-profit organizations in the world? Uh, To be very honest, you know, because... If you look at uh, the division of 10 years for not-for-profit with Rotaract and 11 years with Toastmasters, so my critical time period of when I was just getting into my job, I was just a student when I entered Rotaract and then at a critical phase, time management becomes one of the key aspects. And at times you get so pulled into doing things that you really don't have time for uh, yourself. So one of the unusual habits that I have is at times I just switch off completely, Mm -hmm. do nothing, just sit without purpose, without thinking. I just sit and stare and sometimes (laughs) I just, just let it go. Mm -hmm. Just imagine no WhatsApp, no Facebook, cutting out the clutter once in a while. It's, it's, it's like a Zen stage. (laughs) Zen mode. Yeah. (laughs) That is like an ultimate stage. Um, uh, uh, I can I can tell for sure because I can't imagine ever go getting into that stage. As a matter of fact, that is one of the key reasons why I haven't opted to attend the Vipassana. That they talk about the oh. ten day silent retreat. Well, right. I think I just might die in all that silence. <laughs> I I don't know. I just don't have the courage <laughs> to do that. My friends have been pushing me to join that, saying that you are you're too impatient and you're too much on social media. You need to be at Vipassana. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Speaking of social media, your feed. I mean, whatever you uh, put online, probably maybe it's to do with algorithms because whatever you put uh, online, I tend to like it. I tend to resonate or relate to it somehow. Uh, so I get to see your feeds every day. I mean, you are in right bang in the middle of all my feeds every day. And uh, I've seen you uh, being pretty active on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. If I remember correctly, you launched your own channel and try to put on videos. Pandu Fridays. Friday. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, where do you get all that energy and time and also, you know, insights from? I mean, that's that's like a whole lot of original co- content, I must say, not curated. You know, even, even uh, I get online and post content, but most of the content are curated. In fact, you know, I haven't even had the courage to go online and publish my blog <laughs> yet, <laughs> though I write every day. Uh, but most of the content that I put online is curated but for you i mean almost everything that you put out is highly original it could be tad shorter but it is either so deep or so funny i mean where do you draw all this inspiration and energy from uh, thank you thank you for that Suresh. well for starters there are three things that i believe has helped me one is i keep looking for things which are interesting because mm-hmm. we live in a material world and most of the things that we see are either a rehashed content yeah. or presented to you in a package where you feel, oh, I've heard this somewhere, I've seen this somewhere. So I was just having a conversation with a friend over a meeting after a long time. And I, I mean, people love to call me Baba. Yeah. I keep giving out some 
इंटरेस्टिंग ज्ञान समथिंग आउट ऑफ द बॉक्स विच सो ये सेड यार तुम हमको इतना ज्ञान देता है यू गिव सो मच ऑफ ज्ञान वाई डोंट यू स्टार्ट समथिंग एंड क्रिएट अ यूट्यूब चैनल दैट वॉज अबाउट टू एंड हाफ थ्री इयर्स अगो एंड आई सेड ओके लेट मी थिंक थ्रू एंड आई आस्ट यू वॉट डू आई स्पीक ऑन वॉट एवर यू वॉन्ट टू ऑब्जर्व बी पेशेंट वॉट एवर यू ऑब्जर्व शेयर लाइफ लेसन एंड दैट वॉज लाइक यू नो यूरे का मोमेंट फॉर मी एंड आई सेट ठीक है and that was a friday when we met and that's why one of the reasons why i released the videos on a friday is keeping in mind that okay this happened on a friday and let me release something on fridays because unlike what happens on uh, social media which is the peak time is not friday mm-hmm. the peak day i i believe is uh, a monday or a tuesday yeah. and for me friday works because friday is a mode when people are relaxed and i look at things that happen around me i look at situations and i try to analyze and see oh, what is the learning i can take back so my mind is continuously in that thinking mode something as mm. stupid as squeezing a tube uh, uh, what do you call toothpaste i could <laughs> <laughs> relate something to it to life and say okay this is what it is yeah absolutely and uh, you know that is one of the uh, key reasons why i am i'm like literally drawn to your content and i'm pretty sure so are many others because it's it's it may look like a simple nugget of information to you know the uninitiated but there's so much depth to it and it's something that almost everyone can relate to and i think in fact some of my friends you know who really want to work on their personal brand they go all out into it and then complain about the fact that they're not able to stick to a content schedule they're not able to put out a blog post this that or the other and i'm like well why are you even trying so hard uh, I I should almost say or tell them that you know just check out Baba B <laughs> how he does it. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is, I, on one end of the spectrum, I see people who are trying so hard uh, to build on their personal brand, uh, and on the other end of spectrum, I mean, we have people like you and many others who post out you know seemingly so simple yet so deep content that re- resonates with everyone and uh, you know we, i would love to dig more into the thought process behind it just out of curiosity billy do you think some of that has to do with the experience that you have gained from toastmasters and also as an hr professional yes yes 100% in fact if you look at uh, even what i have given as a description in the video yeah. this is based on simple reflections on life learnings and lessons mm-hmm. it's not about giving you something new it's about introspecting we all know a lot of things it's only that we need some sort of a quick uh, dose of injection to say oh this is what it is this is what you have been missing Mm-hmm. so i am okay when people say oh this is i this is something which i know i'm saying okay i am not telling you something new i'm just saying this is what you need to reflect introspect you may or may not agree or align to my views which is perfectly fine because that's why we are all human beings otherwise mm-hmm. we would have had no life at all mm. have you ever met someone who would just straight up say hey brilliant awesome content but i don't agree with whatever you post online not exactly in fact i've got uh, you know varying comments i'll share a couple of them once i got a comment saying that you post wonderful content so why the only challenge that i see is i'm only seeing your face so i said <laughs> okay let me experiment i changed the mode and i put it as a presentation of the people he liked it but the other sent me saying okay at least once a week we used to get to see you <laughs> we would not love to see the ppts then came a friend who said boss it's all good i was never on instagram and she's she's a social media a champion or an expert i would like to call her and mm-hmm. she is into branding she is into production she said your videos must fit instagram and i had no clue what she meant by that and i said okay let me look up what it means and this was way back in november 2018 mm-hmm. and i researched and i realized that okay to be on instagram the video has to be less than a minute or max to a minute which means you need to be as crisp as possible grab the attention give you a message and move on so people have actually given me positive inputs yes a couple of them say oh this is all okay i mean 
I'm not looking at likes or dislikes. I'm looking at touching at least one person and which thankfully touch wood, I would say every week when I post, I get at least five messages from people saying that, Oh wow. And these are not necessarily the same people every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. And this Friday, I actually happened to miss sending it out in the afternoon. So I got 10 messages saying, okay, we are waiting for Friday. Ke fun day. And I never knew they were ever watching the video also. <laughs> <laughs> That's these nice. are some of the things. Yeah. These are some of the things that keeps you, you know, hooked onto saying, Oh wow. Yes. Let's mm. do it. If not anyone else for that one person who's waiting for my video, let me do it. Absolutely. The audience of one, the, I think there was a speech delivered by yes, yes. the world champion contestants. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting uh, a little too deep into Toastmasters, which I don't <laughs> want to, but uh, <laughs> I guess habits. Anyway, yeah. so Billy, just out of curiosity, what if someone walks up to you or someone posts a comment saying, Hey, you know what? Brilliant. Great content. But you, but this just might not work in my business or my situation or my setting. What do you say to that? Because I get that a lot. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, what do you have to say to them? Yeah. See, to be very honest, what I would suggest for such situations, in fact, uh, not exactly linked to the video, but to some content which I had posted on social media, mm-hmm. one person wrote back to me saying, okay, this may not really work for me. So I said, okay, let's talk. And when we started talking, we realized that the experiences that the person had were always negative. So anything that positive was being posted was not considered to be favorable. So Mm. one thing I realized is first and foremost, listen to what's being said. It's okay. You will never get 100% people liking what you say. There will definitely be people who say, oh, this is, this is all BS. It, it's, it's just for the sake of theory. It doesn't work for me. I said, it's fine. Let's talk. Let's see what works for you. So one of the videos which I had made uh, on time management, they said it will not work. I said, okay, give me an opportunity and do one thing. I have a session where I will use this technique and let see if it works or not. Mm-hmm. So I, I managed to convince this person to join me along for that keynote that I had. It was a 40 minutes keynote. And I said that I will ensure that I finish this in the 35 minutes that I have planned for mm-hmm. using the same techniques that I had told you for time management. And I kept prodding. And as the timer rang at 35, I had just said, thank you. So it, it, it is also about showcasing the, uh, what we call impact of what you're saying. Yeah. Sometimes it may not be very evident. Sometimes you may have to go a little bit extra as long as the other person is willing, as long as you are listening, I think it's, it's, it's a win-win for both. And it's not necessary that we get it right every time. So what it was an experiment. We'll still try something new. That's the spirit that we should have. So how do you translate that in your day-to-day work as an HR professional, uh, because I believe HR is a different beast by itself. Many people have opinions about, you know, who an HR professional is, what they do on a day in day out basis, not even realizing the vastness of the profession for them. HR, HR is about paperwork or hiring someone or maybe even finding someone. That's it. That's about it. So what I've observed over the years is, yeah, there's a lot of admin attached to the human resources profession, but there's a lot of business strategy involved in the HR realm of things as well. Can you share some of your experience uh, in this profession for the past so many years? Yeah, that's, that's really a very interesting uh, thing to discuss. Or to be very honest, yes. As a profession, HR is probably the last option that anyone would have, even if they are selecting their MBA option list. <laughs> but I want to bring in an interesting aspect to it. In fact, I come from the complete opposite side of HR, which is the technical side. I am an engineer. I have done my graduation in electronics engineering. My first job was as a technical trainer 
I was a database administrator working on a project. I got a role as a business analyst and I started working on a project which was in human resources. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started realizing the importance of how critical this role is because while people may have different views and opinion about human resources, it's, it's important that when you are in that role, you need to know the business. You need to understand what people are doing and why they are doing. And I coined an interesting uh, 3P for this, for human resources. Mm -hmm. The constant tussle between people or process. That's what HR is always pulled into. So I brought in a third P. Yes, experts may have said it earlier, but I decided to coin myself as saying, okay, when there is a conflict between people and a process, Look at what the purpose is. If the purpose tells you, stick to the people, stick to the people. If the purpose tells, stick to the policy processes, stick to that. Because end of it, once you know the purpose, once you know the business you're in, you will have a lot of fun. And thankfully, my bosses have been kind enough to give me exploratory roles. And that has helped me understand that HR is not just about paper pushing. That can be done by anyone. You don't need a degree for that. You can just create executives and just tell them this is what needs to be done. But human resources is beyond what is seen. It, it is about understanding the organization. It is about understanding aspirations. It's also understanding how can we work together to deliver value for both the employee and the organization. It's important that we crack this code as human resource professionals. And the day we do it, I think we will have fun and it really doesn't matter whether you're two years of experienced uh, HR professional or a 20 year HR old professional. As long as you are having fun and you know the business, I think HR is for you. That was insightful, Billy, especially the people purpose and process part because you're right <laughs> most people including the ones who judge the hr profession and they or the hr department they are they basically know that the contest is always between people and the process hr is the ones siding uh, towards processes and people obviously towards people and the people think that the party is always right However, the HR uh, basically remains in between the management, the uh, people, and also mass judgment across the organization as far as their role is concerned. And I believe it is one such profession or one such department that's grossly underrated and also unappreciated by people at large. However, things are changing. I definitely know things are changing for the good. Everyone's realizing the importance of the profession or having an HR uh, personnel within the team, especially if it's a small organization, things are changing. But this description that you shared with us uh, about people uh, versus process and balancing the two with a purpose, that's, that's pretty powerful because most of us can be instantly aligned with the right thing to do or the right decision to make with if we just know the purpose. I agree 100%. In fact, you know, one thing which people tend to get carried away is get carried away by emotions and they assume that HR doesn't have emotion or HR is rude, HR is this, HR is that. We get all sorts of labels and I keep telling my team that yes, I understand where you're coming from. You have to understand where we are looking at and where we need to go. It's not just a one side story. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's unless you you walk that step forward and one step forward, one step backward, depending upon how you need to do it. I don't think it's right. I'm, I'm speaking for the general people who assume that HR is nothing but a set of people who have nothing to do. <laughs> so they have a lot to do. In fact, day in and day out, they are stressed because there are so many decisions to make. There are so many aspects to take care of. And they are worried about CLKK. I'm sure you know about CLKK. No, it I don't know. Oh, okay. Kahenge. <laughs> what would people say? <laughs> what would people say? Because we are so afraid. And that's one of the reasons why many good professionals in human resources 
have actually decided to move out and say oh no this is not for me i cannot fire people because they get too emotional they get pulled and maybe the energies get drained and where does the war for talent or talent management in general fall in the picture see it's, it's a tricky thing it's it's like this uh, situation in fact one of my friends just posted on uh, uh, social media and on whatsapp about a ma- matrix a matrix which shows there are four quadrants and each of the quadrant has a different set of uh, elements and when you look at that element you feel oh wow this is so interesting it says there is performance and behavior on one side mm-hmm. which is low and high and then you have your values congruent behavior so okay. if you are low on both values as well as on performance it's incompetent assholes <laughs> Yeah. Sorry about the word, but this it's, is something which is a formal document. Okay, <laughs> this is this has been documented by a scientist, a behavioral scientist, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> value is high. Uh, sorry, the value is uh, high. Value is low, and uh, performance behavior is high. You get competent as stars, <laughs> and then you have value is high, but performance is low. You get incompetent nice guys. and then you have outstanding guys and nice guys who are in the high high quadrant and mm. people always want people in the third quadrant the fourth quadrant all the others need to work on a lot but what they end up getting is someone who's not probably in any of the quadrants completely they may be in the first quadrant second quadrant they need a push yeah. so current performance cannot guarantee success this is something which we all know and i have at least uh, experienced it for a lot many times in the uh, professional life it's only visible the performance of an employee is visible only when we start working with them on our scenarios mm. so in a perfect environment we would assume that what worked in the past will work right now so technically speaking i will assume okay mr x has done so well in a company let me picking up and let him get me on board he will deliver for me probably he may end up being a non performer yeah probably he may not give me anything so your context makes a big difference so talent as a trait i would say it is important but at the same time the attitude the flexibility and the behavior of an individual is all that makes a difference in the organization you may be the best talent in the industry but if you do not have the right attitude the right behavior i don't think it will work for any of us and brilliant amidst all this uh, i wouldn't call it complication but there are there are so many variables to consider before we are so sure about uh, managing talent but there's also this a uh, real challenging situation that almost every hr professional or uh, recruiter out there is facing right now which is getting uh, the right talent on board or finding that right talent and it's some it can sometimes seem as if there are just no competent people out there i mean people who can fit the bill people with the right set of skills that the employer is looking for how do you what do you think could be the best strategy for hr or recruiters to find the right talent with the right set of skills because apparently that's like an industry wide epidemic and everyone seems to be facing the heat when it comes to finding the right talent <laughs> you know it's it's a, it's a man made what we call <laughs> uh, i don't want to call it as a uh, what what is it called that sukha ko kya bolte hain english mein drought drought it's a man made talent drought that uh, has been created so if you look at how organizations have evolved is let's assume the life cycle just take for example i hire someone at an entry level uh, management training mm-hmm. this person goes through a lot of learnings lot of churnings internally by the time it's 2 or 3 years the talent is ready mm-hmm. and once this person decides to move out my expectation is for someone who's not known about the organization to do everything that this person who spent 2 years with me has been groomed internally knows every nook and corner of the organization knows the screws and the nuts and the bolts it is an improbable uh, fit 
it will never happen and i keep telling my business heads that if you keep looking for a 100% fit you will never get look for what is it that you need it could be a technical fitment yes you see that you have the skill sets the attitude is what makes a big difference the mm. attitude to learn and fit in it is very difficult to get a 100% fit talent to be very honest even in my current organization when i joined probably i was not the 100% fit that the organization would have expected me to but mm. i had to get in there i had to roll up my sleeves dive into the pool and say okay i am here i am ready i don't know swimming now tell me so as soon as a talent is willing to do that trust me the value automatically increases but what you said is right it it, it is an industry wide ep- epidemic to say we never find the right uh, talent we never find the best fit because we are always trying to find the best candidate mm-hmm. we are not trying to find the best fit candidate there is a big difference between the best candidate and the best fit candidate the best candidate may not really fit into the requirements yeah. and a fit candidate may not really be the best so you have to create that balance and and this is not a jargon just for the sake of saying it i i keep pushing in fact there are formal emails which i have sent to my business heads to my team members saying don't look at a 100% fit you will never end up hiring you will lose months trying to find those people try to look at someone who can fit at least 60% of what you need mm-hmm. invest in them invest 20% make them 80% ready and the rest 20% they can learn on the job and prove themselves so this is this is my take on uh, the so called non availability of talent and how we can address the talent gap true sounds like a logical thing to do but apparently logical thing isn't that common also knowing from a fact that most of the time what happens is there is an opening and a ready made job description out of nowhere absolutely goes out in the open out in the linkedin sphere or some other job board for people to apply and what we end up getting is basically a pool of candidate who are literally i don't want to say this but incompetent to a, to to a, to a large extent why because we are basically using cookie cutter techniques or cookie <laughs> yeah. cutter strategies to get that one person whom we want the most now my my rationale is pretty simple if you want that one person well what does that one person brings to the table that sounds like a logical place for us to start with but apparently that doesn't that never happens i mean yeah, uh, it's, 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 here's, here's an interesting take for you to uh, think about and not just you but for the general public let's say hypothetical scenario you watched the speed movie right yeah, yeah. now let's assume that the driver of the bus is killed <laughs> the bus needs to move yeah right now you have a choice you wait for a driver who knows exactly what to do you know <laughs> this person knows it but getting that person will take me at least 4 hours yeah. by the time probably the bus will explode yeah <laughs> you have a choice uh-huh and and this this talent strategy is also very similar to being in that bus in speed you know if you can get someone who can learn see one thing i believe personally and thankfully most of my managers i have worked with has also believed in this philosophy is that nothing is rocket science yeah except for rocket science <laughs> and rocket science can also be learned so everyone did not come as an engineer i did not emerge uh, at birth as an engineer i learned engineering i learned human resources i learned certain skills there are skills that can be learned there are certain things which are easily uh, you know uh, what we call learnable mm-hmm. as long as you have that attitude to keep that bus moving so that you get what you require otherwise there is explosion and nothing nothing will work for you <laughs> well that is deep and uh, that's a great an- analogy to bring to the table i th- i think th- this analogy is just the right one to set this argument aside once and for all <laughs> well yeah so uh, i believe the war for talent obviously is for real but it will continue it will continue and to be very honest uh, uh, even if you look at uh, uh, great people who have written books including jim collins good to great yeah right he's talking about getting the right people on the bus but you will not know whether the people who got on the bus are right or wrong yeah but 
once they get in and you know that they are not the right people you have all the rights to let them off yeah so there's nothing that's stopping me but they need to be on the bus and the bus is moving this is one one guiding principle which we should all remember first and foremost let everyone jump in you will realize <laughs> the wheat from the chaff very clearly in the early stages yeah so brilliant this question is quite related to what we've been talking about but i'm keen to know the advice that you can give to millennials and this another generation z i don't know what they call it <laughs> millennials yeah they are the millennials <laughs> oh so there is the millennials and there is generation z i think they are different millennials are the latest yeah so uh, technically speaking even i'll be a millennial <laughs> because i was born in 84 <laughs> so, yeah 80s onwards so. yeah but uh, the new uh, i don't know let me look for it generation z is xyz Yeah, there are three generations at any given point of time. Yeah, the demographic cohort after the millennials. So it's the generation Z. I'm I'm forgetting the term for it. Um, I don't know. They they don't have a term for it. Anyway, so what advice would you be giving to millennials and the generation Z who are about to enter the real world of human resources? And what advice? do you think they should ignore so there there are few things which i would like to put as a disclaimer right at the start i have nothing <laughs> against millennials i have nothing <laughs> against any generations but i believe uh, there's a lot of hype around what millennials accept what millennials don't accept and unfortunately or fortunately the way in which uh, our interactions have been with these people we believe that okay they are a no nonsense kind of a people i think all generations have that kind of people mm-hmm. for me if i were to look at uh, uh, you know uh, the generation that you're talking about for someone who's just out of college wanting to enter into the real world my simple suggestion would be forget what the movies or motivational speakers tell you <laughs> forget oh, yeah. everything you have to live and experience life one day at a time because until and unless you do that you will not understand the importance of why certain things are done mm-hmm. just because a motivational guru says oh you should do something which you love if you wait for that probably you will never find a job yeah. you know that's 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 good to say in theory but the reality is there is what we call as dynamics there is this economy there are a lot of things there are a lot of factors you need to have the uh, feeding engine on There's something needs to be going in and out on a daily basis mm-hmm. so my first thing is forget whatever you hear from movies or motivational speakers it's all good for entertainment it's all good for taking it in but to implement that you need to reach a certain stage not all of us are geared to do that and trust me if you do that it will help you become a better human being and one of the things that i would suggest that you ignore is when you get into doing something there will be lot of uh, people who will try to pull you down saying are this happened it did not work for him why are you trying this so my suggestion is forget and ignore every advice you do it because you want to do it you want to ex- experience that and this is the cardinal truth i remember and uh, i can share it with you sunil way back when i was in my college days i was told by one of my teachers that you should only focus on studies and not focus on extracurricular activities because you do that and there are certain people who will find you and they will take you out and they will hit you <laughs> so it, it it was like a typical movie scene and we used to revere this person like you know he was at a pedestal and when he said this it was like writing in stone <laughs> and none of us in that batch did anything in extracurriculars for the three years that we studied uh, two years that we studied in uh, junior college we were only looking at lectures back home studying lectures back home no sports no extracurricular nothing and i think we got what we call as isolated and termed as nerds because we were doing that 
yeah it was only when, it was only when i joined engineering college that i sort of gained certain courage to experiment explore and do certain things which probably i would have been better off if i had not heeded on to the advice to say don't do this <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, Brilliant. I've got a bunch of friends who've been uh, part of the nerd squad that you were also a part of. <laughs> and uh, one of the first things that they say after graduating from college is almost always this. You know what, Sunil? We should have had more fun. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so uh, in the same lines, what are the bad recommendations that you hear in the HR profession or maybe even leadership? Uh, that's good. now for hr it's it's cliched and uh, i think we've discussed on this it is said that hr is for those who do not understand business and those who want to enjoy a relaxed life should join hr yeah i've heard that many times <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and and sometimes you get so upset uh, you know i've stopped getting upset by these statements because i tell them okay theek hai now you take this decision for me you talk to this person none of them have the guts to do what we do and i'm talking with pride for the entire profession when i say this mm-hmm. even decisions like letting go of people or taking a hard call on something which is not right it's not easy yeah. it requires more than just uh, a belief it 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 takes a lot for the professional to get that executed and at times uh, in 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 in, uh, in our careers we'll reach a certain point where things are not going the way we would expect to because we are too emotional or probably our liking is in the other direction and the organization wants us to do something else but until and unless you know and you understand the business realities i don't think any any professional uh, forget for that matter hr any professional will not be successful and hr to be successful has to be a part of the business it cannot be an independent function so in fact uh, you know i made a bold statement recently to my team and i said uh, you know too much of uh, uh, support function or a cost center is what we are called so i said why not call us enablers because mm-hmm. we help you enable the business we get you people we are not here to just check the attendance give you salaries on time and say okay ye tumhara katega ye tumhara nahi katega <laughs> this is what you will get this you will not get but i think hr has come a long way from what it used to be from being a pure personal and uh, operational department to a more strategic uh, role people keep cribbing about uh, hr has not got a seat in the boardroom hr has not got this are hr has not got means who will give it to you you need to go and get it uh, there is no one waiting with a open arm and saying okay come this is a place for you we need to create the place for ourselves and until and unless and there are amazing examples of uh, leaders in hr who have actually uh, gone beyond what they are there are uh, i cannot take names because i have not spoken to them on this but an hr head in one of the banks that i used to work for went on to become a chief operating officer of a bank and later on become become the executive director for one of their businesses mm-hmm. i know of uh, Santrup Mishra who's a famous HR professional who's also CEO of Carbon Black business of Aditya Birla and mm-hmm. there are many many such examples the only thing is they did not ask for a seat they just prove that they are worth and they got their seat so we should not ask we should just do it and demand that this is my seat i need it yeah i'm not sure how the millennials or the gen z or uh, <laughs> even the generation before all all that would uh, take this in but it is the cold hard truth i must say because the times are changing and so are the business functions within each and every industry out there and one of the things that i've realized the most is if you just stay where you are something or the other will run over you it's as simple as that you simply right. cannot stay where you are you always have to keep innovating and reinventing yourself and hr and talent management or even the recruitment and staffing industry is no different we all have to keep reinventing ourselves and essentially that's what lays the foundation 
for our leadership to ensure that this industry not only exists 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down, down the end, but also excels and enables the workforces out there. And half of the workforces are already scared of what AI is going to do to them <laughs> in the next 20 to 30 years. But uh, nevertheless, the, the whole idea is to keep reinventing yourselves. Yeah, in fact, you know, uh, Sunil, as we, we were discussing this, it just struck me hard, really hard, that uh, the best CEOs could probably be the CHROs in the organization. Yeah. And there was a, uh, I think a long back, about four or five years ago, there was a leadership development article which spoke about how and why chief human resources officer could be the best CEOs the organization could have. Yeah. Because as I said, finance is the only aspect that they need to look at. Everything else they know. They know about the people. They know about the business. They know the pulse of the organization. A little bit of finance knowledge, a little bit of marketing knowledge. And I think they can make the best of CEOs and whether or not we like it, it's it's all about the person and the ability of the person to blend into the role. Mm, absolutely. I read somewhere that um, a major chunk of the CHROs, I'm not sure if it's Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, a major chunk of C- CHROs, they, they, do, they had the business acumen, but they also had this inclination towards human resources, maybe not specifically the process or the admin stuff, but just this inclination towards uh, people, which led them to get to the position of CHROs and eventually them being promo- uh, promoted to lead the organizations as executive directors or even the CEOs. Uh, that's yeah, a radical shift, con- considering where we were like 10, 15, 20 years ago, where we used to think, okay, this guy has a finance background or a banking background or even a sales background. Well, they'll be, they'll be making perfect CEOs of the future. Times have changed, yes. literally. <laughs> it, it has changed and it's changed for the good. Yes. And to be very honest, you know, one of the things which again is a misconception is that human resources is only about people. You know, we need to expand the portfolio. It's about people plus plus. So there are people, there are processes, there are policies, there is a purpose. Everything has to be there. It cannot be just you focus on the people and say, oh, I'm doing it. No, I don't think so. Sorry. You're in the wrong place. (laughs) Wow, that's great. People plus plus. People plus processes plus purpose. That's that's five P's now. <laughs> Counting the pluses. <laughs> so, uh, Billy, I do have one question with regards to HR and talent management. And then we can probably wrap it up with some of the rapid fire questions that I have in mind. Sure. So, uh, how do you think people can adapt their careers in this day and age when change is all we can think breathe and see very very interesting question in fact there are conferences happening all across the country and the world focusing on this very theme that oh artificial intelligence is coming the world is changing what do we need to do and there are a lot of things that we can do to be very honest one is we need to understand that yes change is here and change is for real we need to accept that we need to understand that we have to change ourselves. We need to adapt ourselves to the situation or we become obsolete. If, if, if I am hell bent on learning in a classroom today, I don't think I'll reach anywhere. So I need to know my learner today is someone who looks at a mobile, reads a WhatsApp joke or watches my video for one minute and learns something. That was not a self-promotion by the way. <laughs> <laughs> So it's learning has changed from what we used to think learning was. So we need to understand, we need to have that business acumen for sure. Mm -hmm. We need to be highly networked. You know, one of the things which I am starting to build on is the network because we are moving slowly towards an economy where we will have no offices. We will have no appointments. It will be all based on what the person wants to do. So at one given point, I could be working on three different interesting projects, which currently due to the structure, the laws and the statutory requirements is not possible. But slowly, once we move into a fully gig-based economy, I think reality will hit not just human resource professionals, but also 
anyone who's working by saying okay i have my passion 9 to 5 i will work for earning my bread butter from 5 uh, onwards to 8 o'clock i'll do something for my passion and 8 to 10 i'll relax so your life will change the way in which we will interact with people will change there will be probably no offices virtual offices will come into play so having an open mind to accept all of these because technology is 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 something which has been a wonderful tool for all of us had it not been for technology we would not have been having this conversation nor would people who are listening in got this opportunity to listen to the wonderful questions and my share from what i have experienced so we need to understand technology is helping us a lot so if we stay in the old mindset if we stay in the old age old routine of saying oh no hamare yahan pe aisa hi hota hai this is how we do things here no man it will not work for <laughs> yeah <laughs> it it will never work and hr will survive because hr will have to start thinking now mm-hmm. while it's not that hr was not thinking but they have to think different they have to think about how do i make it easier how do i connect with everyone who is not here physically with me how do i keep them engaged how do i ensure that someone who's in a remote place let's say timbuktu for example how do i make sure that person in timbuktu is still connected to what i am doing here is it possible can i do that Now, these are some of the interesting aspects that will keep us uh, running and skill sets technically speaking will still remain more or less the same we people are worried that we need to look at new jobs why do you want to look at new jobs you look at uh, probably problem solving as one of the key areas for you to work look at uh, working in ambiguity very 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 tough it is right if if you don't know what what you need to do if you are told that you are the boss you have to decide what you will uh, work on what you will uh, uh, complete within the x time period and based on that you will be paid you will be forced to think so yeah. concepts concept like these will definitely come in play and some of the things that i personally believe can help every professional in in the change changing uh, works work scenario is that they need to have a creative mindset is until and unless you bring in creative solutions we'll stay stuck in the old uh, old rut and we'll keep doing the same thing expecting the same results but uh, sorry expecting uh, different results but getting the same results people management in a virtual scenario will be most important and one of the critical things which i found and it works even in a not for profit organization is the speed of decision making yeah yes decisions are made there is a a red tape that is put around this decision making it's it's like the famous movie from the film divar pehle us aadmi ka sign leke aao so if you're stuck in that mode you will not be able to do justice to your role so you need to have quick decision making ability be creative work in a complex environment where you can look at problems and most important you need to be highly networked because there are situations which you will never face and there is someone else sitting somewhere in one corner of the world who would have actually overcome those situations and he or she can be your support group in this scenario wow brilliant that was like a master class in people <laughs> engagement human resources talent management leadership and what not thank you so much for sharing those insights i i totally believe uh, that people who will be listening in can definitely relate to that and this will make them think deeply not just about the human resources profession or the war for talent or leadership but also about themselves the right here right now moment and also the future because apparently everyone is worried about the future but they seem to be stuck somewhere not able to decide what to do you sharing your insights and other people who have been on the podcast sharing their insights i believe that'll form the basis of some of the go to resources that they can visit revisit for constant inspiration and also guidance that can help them in the way forward to help them be 
better at decision making so oh, uh, no, yeah no, when you mentioned about uh, people forget to live in the here and now yeah. uh, i i believe that we are too much hooked on 50% of our time we are spending on what happened in the past and 50% we are worrying about the future so we end up forgetting that we have to live for now so. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> i've had a hard time training myself to be in the here and now and the past few years that i've been coaching leaders and individuals that has really forced me to up my level of uh, listening skills it's a skill that you end up you know practicing forever sure but before uh, that my experience was somewhat similar i used to spend half of my time worried about the uh, future and the other half you know reminiscing the past but things have improved yes i think it's a deliberate improvement uh, which is primarily driven by the choices that you make and i believe Uh, this this power is in everyone's hands everyone can make the conscious choice to live in the now then reminisce about the past and worry about the future all of those uh, components are important but nothing is more important than living in the now which is what we miss out on <laughs> that's true <laughs> super so now i do have six specific questions we'll play a rapid fire one your answers don't have to be short or super uh, short feel free to you know take it wherever you want to are you game sure sure 100% let's go cool so what is your spiritual practice none <laughs> <laughs> well i knew it <laughs> but i i am the most non spiritual person you can ever ever meet well i believe so am i <laughs> nonetheless so what do you think or how do you think leadership works ha ah, very tricky question uh, it it it's it's in a i'll give you a twisted answer to this leadership doesn't work the leaders work wow leadership doesn't work leaders work wow just as i let me take a moment to reflect on that man that that is deep yeah that is deep and i'll tell you why because we tend to attach a lot of things to a title or a word which has a meaning but it's the person behind that particular title or that role that makes a difference so mm. leadership will never work unless the leader works so for me it's as simple as that wow i know it's it's a bit it it's a bit esoteric well but it is the truth i mean everyone plays so much emphasis on their title some people just yes. walk walk around and just mention their titles over and over again which gets kind of annoying uh you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yes, and but you know nobody works uh, but at the end of the day it's a work that matters not your title and most not of us title. forget about that and then at the other end of the spectrum there are people who are waiting uh, to get started which brings me to the next question how do you think people can get started in leadership one i would say the best thing to do is grab every opportunity that you get be it for small instances where you can display leadership and start building on it because we don't realize that some of the small actions that we take can be a big input towards uh, deciding in future oh this is a good leader it could be as simple as saying oh this guy is a good listener one of the key skills that a leader needs is listening so yes he could be a good good leader in future a lot of things needs to be learned but my suggestion is grab every opportunity that you get for standing out from the others whatever you do do the best and let people know that oh you 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 are a name to look forward to in future yeah how would you react if you learned that a sad but beautiful poem that touched you deeply has been written by a computer <laughs> you asked the wrong person i am an engineer so <laughs> i would be more than happy to know that <laughs> you'll be happy to know that technology has evolved <laughs> yes i would be happy to know that technology has evolved but one thing i'll always uh, keep in mind is why technology can uh, gain that access to evolve become better 
but it will definitely not replace the human being because the joy of having someone to talk to the joy of that touch the joy of having a deep conversation not not worrying about you know clk ke as i said char log kya kahenge if you, if you, if you are continuously on your computer people will say ye to pagal ho gaya nerdy ho gaya but if you are with friends if you are with people it's it's a good thing so i personally would say yes good it's written by a computer i think humans need to start learn, learning from them on how to write better poems <laughs> well if you if you could gain any one ability or quality you admire in someone else what would you choose and do you think you could develop that ability or quality just by working at it uh yes i believe that we can work on certain abilities and qualities that we would want to emulate from someone one of the abilities that i would definitely want to emulate is uh, one of the business leaders that i worked with had this uncanny uh, you know ability to just crunch numbers in just a fraction of a second i don't know what he did he would just say acha ye hai ye hai ye hai this is how it is and we would all keep wondering and this person was in uh you know a business role after doing a small stint in multiple roles like marketing business development and then into a business role we never thought that uh, he had the number ability while it would not be the exact number but still he will give us a ballpark figure saying this is what it is and somewhere i felt it's about the ability to observe the ability to have that uh, inkling towards or liking for numbers which unfortunately uh, especially if you are an engineer and finance you know how <laughs> it is for me it's a bit of a challenge you know i think if i can get that ability i'll be more than happy and i'm willing to invest time into that and becoming that kind of a person so that in future if someone is thinking of making a ceo from an hr head they can look at me also <laughs> <laughs> well shout out to all the ceos who are looking <laughs> for your replacement <laughs> final question billy yeah how frequently do you express gratitude about your life uh, this is something which uh, you know is an area for improvement for me to be very honest i i've been a cribber all my life <laughs> so i kept cribbing about oh this is not happening ye nahi ho raha wo nahi ho raha this is this is wrong this is but i met uh, a lot of people and i interacted with so many people that anything that we talk about they are always graceful they are always uh, thankful about what it is and uh, w- one of them actually gave me a, a a wonderful tip and said this is a book uh, take it and write 10 things you are thankful for every day i did write for about 10 15 days and then i thought oh this is just a routine if i am not feeling gratitude from inside will this really help but i feel being thankful for everything you can start by counting at least two things that you can be thankful before you go to sleep and it can help you it is it's something which also gives you an opportunity to reflect on what are the things that you may have that someone else doesn't have it's it's a privilege that we all have whether it is uh, talking on zoom it's a privilege many people don't even have uh, forget computers they don't have electricity mm-hmm. so we need to start being grateful and show our gratitude and express gratitude at least uh, two to three times a day and i'm trying to incorporate it, incorporate these things slowly into my life uh, but as i said i've i've always been a cribber so uh it's it's like uh amita bachchan again sorry he's my favorite actor khush to i can tell aaj kind of repeat that goodness so, so that that moment is uh, it's 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 very nostalgic so um, and coming from a, an engineering background and an emotional background i feel uh, gratitude is something which will definitely help us all and if not a journal at least once once in a day thank uh, look at three things that you can be thankful for for that particular day so 
you are not forcing yourself to write 10 things three things definitely can be looked at and if you can bring in newer elements every day i think your life can be much better much peaceful and calmer than what it is we all live in a stressful world today and the only thing that can save us is being grateful that we are alive <laughs> <laughs> well true that thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your time most importantly billy i deeply appreciate it and i'm pretty sure so would the audience the listeners just as an aside why is it that engineers love to say coming from an engineering background <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is uh, this age old uh, adage which says in the world there are two types of people there are engineers and then there are the others <laughs> <laughs> ouch <laughs> that's an insult <laughs> <laughs> and, anyway. and, and because because maybe you know because of the kind of grilling and grooming that engineers go through for that four years when they learn a lot about life when we emerge successful after all the rigorous uh, pains and all the you know efforts that we put in we feel a bit privileged and that's why <laughs> they always say and i make it a point to see if in any given point of of context if there is at least one engineer in the audience i am more than happy to connect with that <laughs> there is an instant connection there <laughs> immediately you don't need to say anything <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks so much for your time uh, billy deeply appreciate it and we should do a round 2 maybe sometime down the lane let's see how definitely, definitely. the first installment of this season i just want to make it more fancy so i'm making it a season <laughs> and let's see how the first season goes <laughs> i'll bring you back in the second season something on those lines <laughs> yeah, anyway yeah, i'll be more than happy and i'm happy to share thank you so much billy Thanks let me for inviting me